As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello again, Broncos country. Well, it's official. If it wasn't official after the San Francisco game, it's actually official now. The Denver Broncos are not playing a down of football in 2019 until August, which is frustrating for us as fans. But you know what? The best thing we can do is move forward and figure out what we need to do. With that being said, we have a lot to talk about today on this episode. As always, everyone is talking about the coaching search and who we think is going to be the best choice, as well as Matt and myself give you our playoff predictions for this wildcard weekend, as well as some other things like the Hall of Fame ballot. So please sit back and relax and enjoy as we bring you another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. Hello once again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us for another edition of the Orange Weekly Podcast. I hope everybody had a very merry holidays and a happy new year, and we are happy that you guys all made it out of there safe and sound from the in-laws and are here to join us. Uh, I am always am your host, Jared, and I'm joined by, once again, the greatest podcast co-host in history, Matt. Matt, how was your uh, how was your Christmas? That was awesome. Christmas was good. I did spend it with the in-laws, I guess you can call them, but uh, it was nice. Really good food, really fun family time. Um, yeah, just kind of took it easy this year. My partying days are over, so unfortunately, now that NFL has yeah. pretty much slowed down, my whole social uh, extravagant life is slowing down too. <laughs> That's kind of how it follows, right? Once the uh, yeah. once the season starts dying down. Well, in, in yeah. general too, I think we're just getting older, which kind of sucks. It does suck. I'm closer to 30 than I'm to 20 now, so I can't really say that's old. I'm sure a lot of people will be insulted by that, but um, <laughs> interesting perspective on life, we'll say. Right, right. And for New Year's, I had to take a nap in the middle of the day because mm. I knew I wouldn't stay up if I didn't, so that kind of tells you where I'm at. Okay, well, you're, you're closer to 50 than you are to 20, so... <laughs> I'm 30. Let's go. Yeah, oh, wow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, Anyways. we have a lot to talk about today, and we're glad that you guys are joining in. Uh, obviously, the Denver Broncos are out of the playoffs. We were kind of out of the playoff hunt after the San Francisco game. Um, we all knew this was coming. We had a very, very disappointing final season uh, loss to the Oakland Raiders and uh, in their home stadium probably for the last time, but obviously very disappointing losing to the Raiders ever, but especially when they're the worst team in the NFL so uh, what do we take away from that loss? Should we just kind of mark it off as a, hey, we were going out anyway. There's nothing really we could do about it. Or how, what do we take away from that? Uh, I don't know. Just gratefulness that there's change now in the organization. You know, not long after that, it was Vance Joseph. He got fired. So I think it's right. sort of the, the result of the game didn't really matter, I don't think. Um, I saw a tweet by Chris Harris, too, saying that the Broncos are definite rebuild mode and lots of people are going to be leaving. And so it's hard to tell what's really happening. But I think that as a fan, we just have to look at this as being, you know, a very opportunistic uh, couple weeks with getting a new coach and, and the offseason starting after the playoffs. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say what we get out of this game. Just changes on the horizon. Finally. Yeah. And uh, something that a lot of Broncos country has been calling for, you know, here at Orange Weekly, we do a lot of the uh, the Facebook Live shows. Is where we started. Uh, these podcasts are all based on user feedback and fan feedback. And a lot of the feedback we've been getting probably since week five of the NFL season uh, this season, and even some towards the end of last season, is to get rid of Vance Joseph. And and I'm I'm a firm believer that you can never get rid of a coach after one year unless there is something absolutely tragic happening. 
in the locker room, there's some sort of uh, disagreement with the management or disagreement with the with the players. There's no way you can get rid of a coach after one year because there's no really way for him to prove himself as a head coach, especially. Um, mm-hmm. But after the second year of, I'd say, of almost a more disappointing year because the talent that we had uh, was, I think, a lot better this year than it was last year. And for some reason, we just could not capitalize on it, uh, along with a lot of the coaching decisions that were made throughout the season. And uh, obviously, John Elway felt the same as a lot of the fans did. It was time to move on from Vance Joseph and start this crazy hunt for other coaches. And I can't remember the last time this many coaches have been fired at the end of a season. Like, you always have one or two, but how, how many how many coaches were fired this season? Uh, well, I mean, two were fired during the season, and uh, right. Hugh Jackson and uh, McCarthy, but a total of eight were fired, eight. I guess. Yeah, eight or throughout the year, eight were fired. So it's that's a big, just a quarter of the league doesn't have a team uh, head coach. Sorry, that's crazy. And and some of these head yeah. coaches are are big head coaches too. Like I mean, Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl winning head coach. He yeah. was fired mid season from a, a team that he's coached for years. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just it's it's hard, but but I mean, I think a lot of these coaches did sort of you know I don't want to say deserve to get fired, but they they just weren't going well. I'm pretty surprised that Arizona Cardinals fired Steve Wilkes after one year. I think their defense had you know a, a lot of promise. They were destroyed all year, like they were easily the worst team. But you know I don't know. It's his first year as a head coach. The roster wasn't that strong. It, it kind of surprised me, but you know it's the way she goes. But Cincinnati's uh, Marvin Lewis, like that was you know almost like six years in, in right. making. He had to leave. Hugh Jackson, same deal. Vance Joseph. You know, only been there two years, but it really was going in the wrong direction. Mike McCarthy, you need a change in direction sometimes. Adam Gase, I think, had it coming too. He was never really super in uh, super, sorry, in Miami. Todd Bowles, three years of losing record, and Dirk Cater, Cutter, Keeter, Dirk Cater, whatever his name is, is uh, I don't know, just again subpar. Really like outstanding roster over the last two years, but they couldn't do anything with the uh, with the Bucks. So it's one of these teams. Just I don't see really big surprises other than maybe uh, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, well, Steve Wilkes, and that goes back to what I said earlier too. Steve Wilkes is one of those like it's it's really hard to get rid of a coach after one season. And obviously yeah. the Cardinals, who have had a successful seasons in the past, but there's almost the same roster uh, to turn around and just have that bad of a season has been. It is definitely hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dirk Coder, uh, if, if that's how you pronounce it, over in Tampa Bay. Um, I get that, and I and I get that one because yeah. um, he obviously two years in a row that they finished five and eleven, and you can't do that in the NFL, not without having some sort of fall guy. Uh, the biggest the biggest problem here too is that um, of all of this, the only general manager. So there's eight eight. Uh, uh, head coaches that got fired. The only general manager to get fired was the one in Oakland because obviously they they just paid uh, Gruden this ten year hundred million dollar deal, so they had to f- have a fall guy. And then I think what they end up doing was they yeah. end up falling on their general manager. And uh, just recently, I saw one of his general managers, uh, the other another position there in the front office also was fired this last week. So they're just starting to to rebuild that entire organization. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, so I don't want to get too far into it, but. Yeah, that was. Um, I think their pick is quite surprising. Mike Mayock going into as a GM for uh, for the Raiders is a surprise pick to me, considering he's never managed a team. He's just been right. in the media, um, and like Mike Mayock is probably the guy that's made me like NFL football the most. Like his perspective on the draft, on the way teams should be built, on the way to evaluate players. Like he he he's a big reason as why I like football and the whole off season process and the building the teams. I love this guy. I'm really sad to see him go that he's not going to be this focal point during the draft. This sort of, if Mike Mayock thinks the player's good, he's going right. to be good. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it kind of breaks my heart to see him go, but at the same time, I think Oakland's getting a really good GM, somebody who has a really cool perspective on building teams and evaluating players. I don't know how good he's going to be on the management side of the organization because GM is more than just putting a team together. It's business management. Te- technically, so, by the term general manager, you'd like to have you, someone exactly. that has I mean, some sort of management experience. You know, exactly. Right. So uh, we, we don't know. I don't, I've never met Mike Mayock. I don't know how he is uh, his true experience, but it's a good pick. I think it's interesting to see how they p- uh, picked two media guys and, and put them in the front office here. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, Raiders may have gone an upgrade, or they're maybe gambling on a lot. Honestly, at this point, they're just gambling on everything. They're they're really rolling all their dices to get ready for 
dice, I guess, I guess is the correct term. They're rolling all their dice yeah. to get ready for, uh, to, for Vegas. And, um, yeah. and that's still up in the air too. And we'll, we'll cover that too over the course of these, uh, podcasts as we continue this podcast over the off season. Uh, we'll talk about uh, where they're even going to be playing next season. They have no clue with the city of Oakland suing them and a lot of different options up in the air, talking about going to some sort of soccer stadium, possibly in Sacramento, possibly coming down to San Diego, um, Possibly London. And possibly London. That was another option as well. So it's interesting to see where that's all going. Yeah, and and we'll be we'll be tracking that for everybody too, just to make sure that everybody's up to date on that. Make sure you guys are following us on uh, all of our uh, social media accounts because we'll be definitely giving you guys updates as we hear them. So let's go ahead and talk about obviously the Denver Broncos have a head coaching vacancy, possibly an offensive coordinator vacancy, possibly a defensive coordinator vacancy. Usually when the head coach fires, they usually get rid of the whole staff because the new head coach wants to bring in his own staff, ones that he gels with the best. I agree with that whole process. I understand that. Um, some of the guys will probably be staying. Some of our positional coaches will probably be sticking around. They might put Joe Woods back down at uh, DB coach mm-hmm. and get bring in a new DC. But No, we'll, we'll, I, think, I think he's going to be out. It's hard to demote players like that. I think both coordinators are gone. I would be surprised to see the whole staff. Okay. Yeah, so, honestly, so, it's, it's hard, yeah. So that being said, so uh, who are we looking at? Who is the Denver Broncos looking at for being a head coach, and what do they bring to the table that we haven't had these past two years? Uh, that's a really good question. I think we interviewed uh, Chuck Pagano already. We did. Um, that's already happened. Um, I really hope they don't pick Chuck Pagano. I'm not a and- big fan of his. And for those of you that are listening that don't know who Chuck Pagano is, Chuck Pagano was the uh, cord- or the, sorry, the head coach for the Colts uh, for the years when Andrew Luck was still pretty uh, younger in his, and obviously. He's kind of most known for, for yeah, well, unfortunately, sad to say, but he had cancer while he was coaching right. for the Colts, and he started the year really well, and he had to leave like in the middle of the season. Everybody was kind of saddened by it, and then um, what's his name, Bruce Arians, took over as the OC, and they made it to the playoffs, right? And it's kind of sad that like you know Chuck Pagano's best year was almost the year where he wasn't the head coach you know but he was a very big inspirational story I'm sure he was the backbone for the motivation behind the players um and you know he's he had he has won a lot of games in the league I just find him to be a little bit too nice to everyone I think he he just doesn't have a good control over a large group of men in that sort of leadership position I think he's right. done okay as a defensive coordinator since but he's not um I don't know. I think the Broncos, if they if they put in Chuck Pagano, it's not much of an upgrade. Right. And the reason we hired Chuck Pagano, or we, we are interviewing Chuck Pagano in the first place, is obviously he has that head coaching experience. Yeah. Uh, he has, yeah. He's that defensive mind, which is something that I think that, you know, John Elway wants to stick with, and we can get into that here in a little bit. But um, and, but the other reason, too, he is, he is a Colorado guy. He's a Colorado right. native. Yeah. He was born and raised in Boulder, went to Fairview High School there in Boulder, and uh, went to college up in Wyoming, which I guess we can forgive him for eventually. But um, – he, uh, he grew up in Colorado, so and that's the big draw right now, right, as far as the media goes. The big draw is uh, local guy, head coaching experience. Um, honestly, he's not on my top three yeah. for head coaches. No. Um, but, well, who but, are yeah. they? Let's talk about guys that you do like. Who would you, who'd you like to see at the helm? So uh, so if we're going to get to this, uh, honestly, my, my top candidate for head coach would be uh, Vic Fangio. Uh, Vic Fangio, uh, for those of you that don't know, is currently the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. He's been the defensive coordinator for Chicago Bears for since 2015. Mm-hmm. And as you, most of you guys know, I'm sure you guys are watching the rest of the NFL, the Chicago Bears defense has brought them to where they are right now. Uh, without that defense, without that uh, stout defense. And, and honestly, and, and I can only think of a couple teams really that have always had just great defenses. Chicago Bears. And uh, I'd say the Ravens always have mm-hmm. every year. It doesn't matter Steelers. how Steelers every year. They always mm-hmm. have stout defenses. Yeah. Um, but so he's currently the, the defense coordinator for Chicago Bears. Been there for quite a, quite a bit. Been there yeah. since 15. Before that, he was defense coordinator uh, for three years in San Francisco. Um, he was a linebackers coach for the Baltimore Ravens and a special teams coach for the Baltimore Ravens for a long time. He's been in the NFL or around the NFL since 1986 is when he started as a linebackers coach for New Orleans Saints. So he's been around the NFL for a very, very long time. He's mm-hmm. got that defensive coordinator uh, experience for longer than, it says 2011, so at least nine years of defensive coordinating um, in the NFL. And um, success. Like, he's done it well. And well, oh, yeah, and he's done it very well. And I think that's something that, that the Broncos need. The Broncos need, mm-hmm. and, and, and honestly, something that John Elway will never say, and it was funny when, when you watched, uh, well, I thought it was funny when you watched his uh, 
interview after the the firing of Vance Joseph, they kept getting questions about like, hey, where did you go wrong in the last time? Two years ago at this point, where did you go wrong? And he said he's not going to get into it out of respect, obviously, for uh, for Vance Joseph, but he understands that he did something wrong and he's going to mm-hmm. try to fix that. And I think right now with the, some of these coaching candidates you're looking at, it's it's the experience. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Vance Joseph only had one year of defensive coordinating and it was a terrible year. I think they finished like 23rd yeah. in the league or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So but they praised his like leadership ability and they took him on, which is fine. But that's just a big gamble. In these big leadership positions, you, you don't want to gamble on who's going to make it. You want somebody who knows how to run the show. Right. 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 And, and that's and I think that's what you're looking at. And you look at this list as we're talking about this list of people that we're interviewing. It's all guys that have been there before. These yeah. are guys. Most of them. I, we'll talk about a couple of these other guys here in a second. But um, this is this is a guy. Vic Fangio is a guy that's been there before. Um, he is uh, highly touted as a very, very smart defensive mind, which is something I think the Broncos need. And that being said, I think we need to bring in a younger offensive mind. Oh, big. Yeah, big time. And this goes back to, you were talking about Chris Harris, and Chris Harris was saying it earlier, hey, we're not evolving right now. Like, we're trying to play 2015 Super Bowl winning football, and we're in 2018. Mm. Like, we can't play 2015 football in 2018, especially with the RPO and with with the different types of offenses that are going on right now. We can't still run the same boring stuff that we've been running. Like a timing route based offense, like we talked about weeks ago, it just doesn't work. Timing routes now are something that you put in from time to time to change up your your game. You can't – an offense must be adaptable and flexible. Whoever comes in and says, like, we run a spread offense, we run a power run offense, like you're you're setting yourself up to fail because you have no way of, like, of, of countering, you know, your weaknesses. You're limiting yourself. Exactly. Absolutely. You're setting yourself to fail. So if you're running your offense based on timing routes – if two, three weeks, defenses start picking up on it and they start just shutting it down and you have no way to evolve it. All the successful offensive teams are the most balanced ones and the ones that do most. Look at the Saints. You know, even with Drew Brees, they run the ball a lot. They've got two star running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs are another good example of the RPOs, right? The Rams are doing a lot of cool stuff with, between Todd, Todd Gurley and Goff. And, and the, the best offensive teams right now are the ones that are innovating and moving around. This whole era with the Broncos trying to do this very specific thing, changing up the coordinators, is just not working anymore. Right. They need a fresh mind. You're absolutely right. Right. So I think, and and this is my my thought process here is I think our head coach needs to be experienced, needs to be a nose to the ground guy, and he needs to bring in the guys around him that will be able to move our offense and our defense forward into the future and not keep ourselves in 2015. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. Um, you know, I like Fangio as a, as a pick. He's older. He's got the experience. He's been in war- winning organizations. This year, I think the Bears will get into it, but I think the Bears are um, one of the, the prime Super Bowl picks right now. Right. Uh, they're really, really good, and I think it's because of his defense. And with the Broncos, I mean, we, we have, like, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, right? They, he, they they kind of play the same role that he's played with Khalil Mack this year with the Bears. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good players on this defense that they could use to really build a – a solid team around Fangio, a Fangio. Man, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of butchering his name, um, but you know, contrary to him, the, the person I would like to see the most is uh, I. I'm going to butcher his name, was Bienemy. However, you say that the OC for the Chiefs, he's been uh, thrown around as a potential head coaching, you know, uh, candidate for this year. Uh, I, I just think he comes from a really good coaching tree in Andy Reid. Um, it's clear to see, you know, although, yes, it's Andy Reid's system and it's Andy Reid who calls most of the plays on offense. Biennemi has nonetheless been in the system for a number of years as a running back coach. And now as the offensive coordinator, he does a lot of work with Andy Reid. So, you know, he, he's in a successful environment. And, and look at the work he's done with the offense, with the Chiefs. It's, it's, you know, he, he should be a front running candidate here because he's just, you know, he's got that innovative mind. He's from a really respected coaching tree. He knows what it takes to win because he's, he's followed the guy who's done it for so many years. Um, but he's a new head coach. He's never done that before. So are we falling back into that Vance Joseph sort of lack of experience or are we taking on somebody who could develop into a very bright up and coming coach for a number of years? Right, and that's the risk. I think that is the risk we took with Vance Joseph too. Is we we took somebody, and and I'm still, you know, I, I, we may be Vance Joseph apologists here on the Orange Weekly the, a show, but um, I, I still think that he will become a, a good coach in the future. I think he'll be a good coach. He just needs he needs more time. 
He needs more time to yeah. be able to uh, sit, be a be a coordinator for a few years, man. Like, yeah. sit back and get some, and more, experience. Get some more experience. Learn from some he didn't coaches like sitting under him. It, it makes that big of a difference. But um, so I like what you said about bringing in that young uh, offensive mind. And I, I honestly, Absolutely. I'm sticking with Fangio as my head coaching candidate. Um, and one more thing I want to say about Fangio that I forgot. Uh, remember, he runs a three four in uh, mm-hmm. in Chicago. And that's the exact same defense we have to run. So he doesn't have to change anything on his defensive yep. mindset, um, right? And they're very similar to the big guys we have over here, and it could really easily transition over. Mm-hmm. So just personnel-wise, it would be a good fit too. But on, on that note, talking about younger guys bringing in these uh, these West Coast offense-style uh, RPO stuff, um, you know, we interviewed Zach Taylor today. So Zach Taylor is the quarterback's coach for um, for the L.A. Rams. And he's been sitting on Sean McVay yeah. for a few years. Incoming offensive coach. And uh, obviously in L.A., um, uh, their head coach calls all of their offensive plays. He's, he's an offensive-minded guy. He's kind of the offensive coordinator and head coach. And this is the guy that sits under him and gives them the ideas of where to go. And and this is another guy, somebody that is very good at, at bringing young, like Jared Goff, bringing these guys in and making them NFL quarterbacks. And I might be calling myself out here a little bit. I also said the same thing about Musgraves when we got him from Oakland um, when he was the um, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and all this for, for Oakland under Derek Carr. Made Derek Carr, who everybody now knows is not that great of a quarterback, um, into a superstar at the time and just couldn't couldn't bring it over. I have a lot of faith that uh, Zach Taylor, if we do pick him up, I don't think we brought him in as a head coaching candidate. I think we brought him into interview as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, that's the natural progression. Um, I think what would help Zach to the most, though, is if the Broncos had a young up-and-coming quarterback they could develop because Case Keenum has his way of playing the position and, you know, maybe he'll turn into, you know, sort of an Alex Smith, a guy who can play for a very high level for a number of years. I don't know, but I think with Zach Taylor, you want somebody who's up-and-coming. We don't know who's going to be the leading quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. There's a few rumors out right now. Um, It depends on a lot of things, but... I, I don't know. I think there's deep. just uh, yeah, Zach Taylor. If I'm him, I mean, he's got a good, a good running backs, good receivers, but the yeah, the yeah, quarterback position's a little, uh, little sticky. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Really depend, depends on the head coach, but I do think that he's more of an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, sort of guy. And I think that he's going to find a job at that position right, well, somewhere in the league this year. I think he's just doing too well. And with that being said, though, there's always the opportunity that we might have someone in mind. Of bringing in, mm-hmm. and we might Absolutely. we might have brought him in in this interview and like, look, have this guy that we think is going to be a great quarterback, and we want you to help us turn him into the next yeah. great quarterback, next to the next Jared Goff or the next even like you yeah. know talk Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck kind of guy. Um, you yeah. know, one of these guys that's going to fall down to the ladder to us, and well, and that's you never know. John Elway might have a lot of stuff up his sleeve. Oh, oh yeah, and I'm sure he does. He's got a lot of plans that we don't know about. Um, but back to my the enemy guy, I think that you know let's look, look let's look at the list of coaches who worked with Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, um, his success with Baltimore, Sean McDermott. He's had a rough time in Baltimore, but I think he's he's a much better coach than people let on to be. Doug Peterson just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Ron Rivera, he's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Nagy, look what he's doing with Chicago. First year as a head coach of Chicago, yeah, and he's you know he's taking them all the way into the playoffs. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, he's a defensive coordinator right now for um, where is he right now for for the Saints, and the Saints defense has been nasty. Uh, no, I'm, I'm mistaken. Sorry, it's uh, Dennis Allen, the DC for the Saints. My mistake. But anyway, Steve Spagnuolo did head, did coach for a number of years, um, but there's a lot. There's a good pedigree here. Yeah. A lot of good coaches came out from Andy Reid's tree, and I think the Broncos could benefit from another guy from this pedigree, somebody who's who knows how to run a successful system and, and has sort of history of his uh, of his peers around him. Um, so, I, you know, I think Elway does have a lot up his sleeve. I think he he has a general direction of where he wants to go, and now it's just a matter of you know hoping that the right candidate takes the Broncos' job, not somebody else's job, because there's a lot of good head coaching opportunities this year. Right. Um, and, you know, so to that point, that I'm going to ask you, if, if you were a head coach candidate for the NFL, which team would you like to go and coach out of all the ones that are available? Uh, completely unbiased opinion, um, the Browns. Yeah, I think I think right now the Browns are the 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 best looking team to be taking a very young, very yeah. good quarterback. They have a very young, very good running back. They have uh, mm-hmm. a very young, very good defense. Uh, all around. I mean, these are guys that they, they had like 18 yeah. picks last year. 
uh, in the in the draft. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, ultimately, a lot of their guys are very young and very talented, and they have a lot of a space to move, and they haven't been. Uh, you're not inheriting somebody else's baggage with that, right? Like the fact that they fired Hugh Jackson early in the season was probably the best move for any coach that wants to come in now because yeah, there's no exactly. bags with that. They knew they were going to exactly. get a new head coach this year. That guy can come in and start from scratch and not have to worry about what the other guy said because he got he has a young team. It could be his team, and it can start day one. Where somebody coming into, say, the Broncos, right? Yeah, we have a, yeah. a younger team, but we still have old Super Bowl guys. That you can, you can, you know, you were taking this and you're going to say, oh, well, this was, you know, Gary Kubiak's offense. Or this is Gary Kubiak's team. Or this was... Uh, uh, yeah. Wade Phillips' defense. You can't say that. You can't say that about like yeah. the Browns. It's not. It was not. There is not his team. It was never Hughes' team, really. And you can yeah. go in and start from day one and be like, "This is my team." Yeah, and you know the the GM has built uh, a really good foundation too. Scott Pilly did a great job at bringing in the right people here, like Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb, yep. even Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, d- drafting Denzel Ward, like between Denzel Ward and Bradley Chubb, I think we have two, you know, all-star players, but I think Denzel Ward is a really good fit there. Uh, so he's, he's, he's done a really good job of laying a solid foundation. Um, and I think with the right coach is going to be, uh, the Browns are, are a new team here. This is not the same old Browns. Right. Um, but, you know, I think, I think you're, the Browns are the unanimous sort of like most promising team to take over this year, which is surprising. Usually nobody wants to coach for the Browns. But this year, I think everybody really does. Um, even hearing like Mike McCarthy maybe taking over that role is right. pretty, you know, that, that, that'd be pretty cool to watch. Like Aaron Rodgers' old mentor right. now taking on Baker Mayfield. That'd be very, very uh, potent, I think, as a combination. Um, but I think the New York Jets are another team to look out for. Because right now, if we're looking at the division, the Bills are still the Bills. The, uh, the Dolphins are going to completely rebuild now. Apparently, they're getting rid of Tannehill. It's a whole new start on that offense. And the Patriots, you know, they're still somehow managed to get a first round by in the playoffs. They, they still managed to, to have, you know, they won the division like 10 years in a row or something like that. Just an absurd stat. Like, they, they're, they're still the best. However, they're not necessarily getting any better. They're just holding on to success as long as they can. And the New York Jets, they're a very young and promising team. There's a lot of good players here. Sam Darnold has made some really good throws this year. Uh, the running back position is, you know, a little shaky, but it's, you know, running backs come up every year. The offensive line is pretty, yeah. you know, average as well. But the receiving core is decent, is nice and young. The defense was much stronger than people anticipated this year. So I think the Jets are a very promising team and they're going to be a little bit under the radar. Um, the management of the Jets is very, uh, they're, they're progressive as well. I like the way they sort of, they, they manage their team not to get into it, but they, uh, this is a good team to, to be a part of, I think. And if you're a Jets fan, I think it's very promising too, because Todd Bowles is, did underperform. And um, I think he's just another guy who might be a really great DC um, and somebody for, you know, the, the Broncos to link, look into as well, depending who together as a head coach. Todd Bowles is D.C. could be pretty uh, pretty good paired up with Vaughn Miller and, and Bradley Chubb. Like, that could definitely be an interesting hour. So, so we talked about all those uh, teams. And uh, I'd I say we're probably about third, maybe 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 second on that list. I, I You know, the Packers. Yeah, yeah. The Packers also have a very good shot um, just because of uh, Aaron Rodgers. Anytime you're – you're a coach and you have the option to go coach Aaron Rodgers. I think that's uh, a draw uh, in, in above its own. But I think that goes back to like Mike McCarthy was the head coach of that team for a long time. Yeah. So now you're, you're coming into a team and you're taking over. That's not your team day one. You have to earn that team. And um, plus Aaron Rodgers there. It's not like you can come in and put in your own quarterback if you're an offensive minded guy. You've right. got to, you know, the you best thing I think is strengths. Exactly. I think the best thing for the Packers is to get a defensive minded head coach to really solidify that side of the ball and have a good offensive coordinator that can vibe well with Aaron Rodgers so they can work together to, you know, to just move this offense in a, in a good synchronized way. You don't, you don't want too many personalities here. It's very clear that Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame player and he needs to still have as much control as he can on the field. So I, I hope that's what the Packers do. I don't know if they will, but, you know, nonetheless, we're, we're not a Packers podcast. No, no, it's a Broncos <laughs> podcast. And I think you're right. I think the Broncos are a uh, – 
a really good pick for a head coach this year, especially the the young players that came out of this year. I think it's really promising for any team. Right. Um, and with Case Keenum, I think he's got one year left on his contract. That's yes. not necessarily a bad thing. You know, uh, this could be a nice transition year where they, they move out a couple more veterans. So we'll see what happens. But it, the Broncos are very promising. It, it's not going to take a lot to get them back in the winning column. Yeah. And, and the other big thing that we have to remember, too, with this head coaching uh, search is that this new head coach that comes in is the one that's also deciding player personnel. They're going to sit down with Elway and go, hey, this is who I want. Um, this is the the people I want. These are the people that, you know, we could probably do without. These are the guys we could transition, I guess, is probably the easiest, most PC way of putting it without uh, being mean. But that being said, so what what of these, uh, of all of these people do you think is the, the worst? Which one of these, which one of these teams do you, it, would you be like, yeah, oh. pass? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I, hmm. I'm kind of torn between the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. No, no, no. Sorry, I retract that statement. The Cincinnati Bengals have got to be <laughs> the worst team to come into this draft. I, I completely forgot like they were even on this list. But the Bengals, like, I mean, other than AJ Green and Joe Mixon, this offense is just—it's never going to be anything else. You know, John Ross is really quick, but he's the only—you know—he's he's a one-trick pony. Uh, Tyler Eifert plays in three games a year. He's hurt all the time. Like the offensive line, they got Billy Price, but they, you know, Cordy Glenn at the left tackle. The rest is okay, but I, it's just like, oh, and the defense too. The defense is just a bunch of old guys that you know, <laughs> trying to pull together last year. Here, Vontaze Perfect is perfect. He, yeah, he's perfect. He he may not play anymore. But he's he's concussed so many times that he, he may not play anymore. Um, so and and the ownership too for the Bengals has got to be one of the, I don't know. Not not a very well owned team. We'll say they're very cheap. They're very under the table, and I don't really like the way they operate. Um, but yeah, I I don't know who's going to end up in Cincinnati. I think it's going to be Hugh Jackson because yeah. the owner. Well, it's either it's Hugh Jackson or Vance Joseph, and it might be Hugh Jackson with Vance Joseph being DC too. That's all, always oh, an option yeah. there too. What a winning combination, right? There. <laughs> like, you know, I just I don't I don't want anything to do with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I I'm going to say the Arizona Cardinals, and I only yeah. say the Arizona Cardinals because you, it's. Again, and this goes back to something I said at the very beginning of the podcast. I feel like there's a theme here. How do you fire a coach after one season? Yeah. And and now you're a head coach and you're going in. You're being like, okay, they might have some talent. They have some young guys there. Their quarterback's very young and, and talented mm-hmm. and has the chance to be a great quarterback. Um, and uh, you still have one of the greatest running backs that they just, for whatever reason, last year didn't use very well. Um, yeah. And I know he has been injured here and there, but – on top of that, though, like, how do you go into a team and how do you sit there and stare a general manager uh, in the eye and say, yeah, we want you long term when, hey, man, you just fired that guy after one year. Yeah. You didn't even get that. You didn't even give Wilkes a chance. Yeah. Like, yeah, he had a really bad, really bad season. And yeah. obviously, yeah, there's a lot of things going on there, but there must have been some something else going on behind the scenes. But how do you as a coach go in there and being like, OK, yeah, if I want job job security, that's the last place I want to be. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, who knows what happens. But, you know, the thing at the NFL, the coaching contracts are often fully guaranteed. So, you know, what I mean, Steve Wilson signed a three year deal guaranteed. The the Cardinals will continue to play, pay that. So Steve Wilson can yeah. chill at home, put his feet up and just keep racking in that money if he wants to. I don't think he will. I think Steve Wilson is going to be a DC in this league. He's, he's not done fighting here. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I don't know what kind of organization does that, you know, in the right mind. Maybe they just wanted to cut their losses right away. Perhaps, you know, but um, yeah, we'll see. It's, it's interesting. But there's a good mix of promising teams and, and really underwhelming teams here. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all lines up. Yep. Yeah, the one thing I can say is I think Mike McCarthy may be out of the running for the Broncos. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure if we have him on the list of interviewing him. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. He, he is obviously a Super Bowl winning head coach, and he has a lot of fame coming to him. But uh, I think the, the Elway is deciding he's going to go a different way. And honestly... And we said this is getting Joseph and Elway we have to trust at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the right move. I think uh, you know, Mike McCarthy wants to go somewhere with a young, promising quarterback, not somebody right. who's you know necessarily in the case Keenum shoes. So I could see McCarthy at the Jets. I could see McCarthy at the Browns. I, yeah. I would love to see that pairing, uh, the the GM there and McCarthy and ooh, I think it'd be uh, it'd be really good. But you know what? The thing is that they'd lose Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator. I don't know if they keep Greg Williams. I hope they keep Greg Williams. He's yep. been a good face for the Browns. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think McCarthy's going to pick the team he wants to go to, and I don't think it's the Browns. Uh, sorry, I don't think it's the, it's Broncos. the Broncos. Just given the quarterback right. position, I think it will be the Browns, yeah. Right. 
So we gave our uh, opinion on who the Broncos, who we think the Broncos should pick up and what we think the the focus should be in this head coaching search. Let's take it over to a couple of our Orange Weekly staff and see what they have to say. Hey, Broncos country. This is David from the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show. Uh, Obviously, it was a tough season, Broncos country, and Vance Joseph no longer a part of the team. Um, We wish him well in whatever he does in the future, but from now on, it's onwards and upwards for the Broncos. And one name that I'll really be looking for as we move forward in our head coaching search is Vic Fangio. Uh, He's a defensive head coach, but he's a guy who knows our scheme. He knows how to run a 3-4, and he knows how to put our players in the best position, I think, to really produce well and do their best on the field. I think he'll also bring in a strong offensive coordinator to really kind of get this team turned around and in the right direction quickly because we're not that far away from contention, Broncos country. I really don't think so. That's what I'll be looking for, and I hope it's a great offseason for all of you. As always, go Broncos. Hey everyone, Kev Dan here, and for my coaching prediction, you know, I think the main thing we need to do is get somebody who knows what the hell they're doing, unlike Vance Joseph. If you look at our record this last year and the games that we had, we could have won multiple, multiple of those games that came down to the wire, very close calls, that really we lost due to coaching mistakes and undisciplined play. So if we get someone in there who's strong, uh, who knows what they're doing, who can get their best out of their players and really bring back discipline to the team, I think that's the way to go. So because of that, I think my main choice is going to be Vic Vangio. Uh, He has tons of years of experience in the NFL, and he can really bring the Broncos back to uh, an era of dominance really quickly. So we'll see what happens, guys, but that's my prediction, and uh, go Broncos. What's going on, Broncos country? This is Tanner Lee, host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Our Denver Broncos have had interviews with five coaches, including Chuck Pagano, Zach Taylor, Brian Flores, Mike Munchak, and Vic Fangio. I personally want Vic Fangio, defense coordinator of the Chicago Bears. Look what he's done with the Bears defense this year. Look what he did in San Francisco previously, especially when he was out there with Jim Harbaugh. He had some really good defenses. I think Vic Fangio is the hard-nosed coach that we need, and we can pair a good offensive coordinator with him, let him run the defense, and be the head coach of the team. I think Vic Fangio should be the next coach of our Denver Broncos. I thank you so much to the rest of the Orange Weekly staff. As always, every time on the Orange Weekly podcast, we bring you guys what everybody else thinks. As well as, please, if you guys want to give us your opinions, go on to our Facebook Live shows. Go on to our Facebook. Go on to our Twitter, our Instagram, our uh, MySpace. And make sure you guys are commenting on all those and, and letting us know what you think uh, we where we should go. Where do you guys think the Denver Broncos should go from here? As far as the head coaching, and if, right now, if you go to Twitter, there's a Twitter poll on there for the Orange Weekly Twitter, and it's asking basically, where do you think we're going to go, offensive minded or defensive minded, or are we going for another players coach? I have a bad feeling no one's going to pick that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, think so. Yeah. Yeah. But with that being said, so we're going to go ahead and move on from uh, Broncos coaching talk because I'm sure you guys have heard plenty from all of the other sources as well. We're going to move on from the players talk to uh, news just broke of the official Hall of Fame finalists. These aren't the guys that are official in, but these are the finalists that they're going to choose from before they induct. And um, we have three. We have uh, Steve Atwater, who is, uh, he's retired a, a while ago. We have, he retired uh, in 1999, but he played from the Bron- for the Broncos from 89 to 98. So Right. So quite a long time. I mean, he's, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's a diehard Bronco. We have Champ Bailey who uh, obviously just retired a few years ago. I say a few years ago, 2013, right? Yeah, um, But this, this is his first time eligible for the Hall of Fame, so he's a finalist his first time eligible, and I actually think he has a pretty good chance of making it. If you look at his stats, man. Oh, Champ he, Bailey. Been, yeah. he was a shutdown corner for over a decade, man. Even with yeah. the Redskins, he was just fantastic. He's got a right. really good chance of making his first year. Right, and and, and uh, you always talk about like islands and guys you just don't want to throw at. And oh, and he Champ was, Bailey was for that guy. years, for ten yeah. years. I mean, it's hard he, to do that for that long, too. Oh yeah, so and I think the only thing playing against him is the fact that so in this in this class there's six defensive players, seven offensive, which is you know fair. But in defensive, there's three safeties and two cornerbacks as well. So the, the, between all of them, I don't I don't necessarily see all of them making it. So right. and this is big company to be in. So the other safeties are Ed Reed and uh, John Lynch. Ed Reed's a shoe-in. He's a first-year uh, candidate, too. He's he's going in no problem, I think. So right. between Ed Reed, Steve Atwater, and John Lynch, you know, I think they pick one 
of those guys. You know, and, and Steve Atwater was that. John Lynch was a Bronco as well. Let's not forget John that. Lynch would absolutely, absolutely. He played Broncos for three years. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Uh, he's most notably known for his time with the Buccaneers, but um, John Lynch is a GM right now too. So um, he will get in eventually, but it's just between those three. I think Ed Reed just he draws too much um, prestige and, and success. Um, and then for cornerbacks, Champ Bailey's between Champ Bailey and Ty Law. Um, I think. You know, it, that's a big company to be in, too. Ty Law has been trying to get to the Hall of Fame for a number of years, and he did play for the Denver Broncos. There's a lot of ex-Broncos on this list. He played one year for the Broncos in 2009. Um, so, you know, between these five DBs, I think they take maybe two because the rest of the list, there's there's four offensive linemen. Um, there's three skilled positions on offense. No quarterbacks, though. No quarterbacks in this class, which is interesting. Uh, right. With guys like Tony Gonzalez, he, he's a first-year candidate. I think he gets in right away. He gets in. Yeah. He, he, he has to get in. He's been the best tight end ever. Um, Isaac Bruce right. been trying to get in for a while. Edron James, as well since 2009, I don't think he's going to get in this one either. But, you know, but to, for all these Broncos guys, I, I just think that there's there's a lot of big names here that might be difficult to come through. Um, but I think if anybody that used to play for the Broncos, I think Champ Bailey may have the, uh, the best chance. The best chance. Yeah, I would see him going right away. Yeah, and we say that, but I also think the best chance of getting in – is in the contributor category. I think this is yeah. Pat Bowen's year. Uh, yeah. you, you, uh, you, we were talking earlier. Who, who's the other guy that he's going up against? Jill uh, Brandt. Jill Brandt. And he was a he was with the Cowboys as a GM for a while. He was a vice president of player personnel from 1960 to 1988. Um, so he was, you know, he was the head guy for the Cowboys in the their really early years. years. Yeah, I mean, they had some success back then for sure. And he's been a contributor with the NFL uh, since 1995. Um, but yeah, I think Bolin has, um, he's got a really good chance of making it. Yeah. And, and I mean, last year they took in Jerry Jones, another Cowboy. Yeah, so I, I think know, that's, yeah. can, can you really honestly put in two Cowboys back to back when you have guys like Pat Bolin, who honestly, everybody was saying should have gotten in before Jerry Jones ultimately, he because he, Jerry Jones, but yeah. he has, he has much more prestige and much more, uh, he's done a lot more for this league than Jerry Jones has, but you know, Jerry Jones has a little bit more of a mouth on him. <laughs> And uh, yeah, the more you talk, the more you too. get known. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think I think Bad Bolin definitely has a good chance of making it this year. Um, I think between all the ex Broncos players, you know, Chan Bailey might be the guy, but the rest of this list is, you know, it's huge. Like Alan Fanica, Steve Hutchinson, both these players are they have to make the Hall of Fame. Both guards, they were they were like right. the perennial guards of the two thousands. Right? These two guys were awesome. They're the and Joe Thomases of the 2000s. Pretty much, yeah. And then Kevin Mawai, too. Like he's uh, he's played for he played for, since 1994 to 2009. Just an outstanding guy all around. He played most of his career with uh, the New York Jets. Um, so there's big names coming into this Hall of Fame. I'm really excited to see who the uh, the inductees are going to be. But I'm thinking it's going to be Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, Champ Bailey. One of these offensive linemen and uh, Richard Seymour's on this list too. And Richard Seymour was a, another <laughs> dominant player for his time. So, it, yeah. you know, it's a lot of consideration for sure. But I think guys like Steve Atwater, uh, they're going to have to wait a, a year or two more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Steve Atwater makes it eventually, but this is a, you're right. This is a deep class. I think, yeah. uh, it's an yeah. interesting deep class. And I think you're, I think you're right. A, there's a lot of former Denver players in there. Mm-hmm. And, or, and even if they spent one year, like Ty Law spent one year in Denver, yeah. and is still he's Fine, still a Denver absolutely. player, absolutely. Um, and uh, that that bears well for us. I think that uh, definitely shows where our team has come over the years. Uh, as um, so, let's go ahead and move on to that. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody is talking about it. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about it. The NFL yeah. playoffs are here. Mm-hmm. You lose and you go home so with the Broncos. You can go uh, grocery shopping with home. Case Keenum. Um, you get to watch it. You get to go play some golf. You get to go play some golf. Right, right. Or go to the bar and watch the yeah. uh, other people play because you're not there anymore. That's right. Um, that's right. That's what that's we'll right. be doing because we don't play. That's exactly anyway. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, all right, let's talk about let's talk about the NFL playoffs and uh, let's start with the AFC. And obviously, we talked about the the Patriots got the uh, the first round by by the skin of their teeth, even though they didn't have the yeah. greatest record. Obviously, they won their division. Uh, AFC West showing out real strong with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. Do you see any one of them making it to the AFC Championship game? Um, that's that's a really good question. 
Really, really good question. Because the Chargers and the Ravens, they played each other not that long ago, and the Ravens dominated that matchup. So, you know, if I'm the Chargers, I'm studying extra hard for this game because it's going to be a really tough matchup. Um, I think the Chiefs, they can hmm, – it's, it's really tough. I think the Chiefs can beat every team in, the, in their conference, um, but I don't think they will beat every one of these teams. Uh, I think the Chiefs can make it to the AFC Championship game, but I think they're going to be a surprise team to lose early in the playoffs. They may lose that first week, especially if they – you know, I, I forget who they would be playing – um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. And so my take on the chargers is, and we talk about this all the time and we say this almost every time we played our, uh, our AFC West rivals, um, it's very hard to beat the same team twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very Usually. difficult. And, and, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, cause I don't have it pulled up right now, but, uh, they played the chargers played the Ravens in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, no, they played them in, uh, in Los Angeles. Well, it was probably it was an away game for them anyway. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it always is. So, so this time they're going to Baltimore, yep. and that's another thing that's very difficult to play on the road on the East Coast, cross country, on a um, cross country, and uh, now you're playing a team that's that's uh, strong, and they have this new offense with uh, Jackson, and it's uh, nobody's figured it out yet. Nobody's figured out how to stop it, and and maybe the. The, the Chargers are going to be the ones to figure it out, but they have a lot more riding on this playoffs than I think any other team in the AFC. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, Tom Brady, he's proved himself. Another Super Bowl will be great, but he can he can slow down and go home. Patrick Mahomes got a brilliant career ahead of him. Uh, but with the Chargers, Philip Rivers, this may be one of his last chances at a Super Bowl. Um, and the Ravens, man, like I remember watching the Chargers-Ravens game, and one of the things the commentators were saying is that the Ravens run a t- an offense that's different than 31 other teams in the league. So, it, you know, to prepare for the Ravens is like preparing for something else completely different, which is really difficult to do. They're run-based. Like, every play is an option. Every single play, they're, they're, something different could be happening. So it forces you to be disciplined, but that's really difficult to do. So, you know, the Ravens could very well come out with a win here. Um, the one thing stopping the Ravens is if they get behind, I don't think they can air it out as much as other teams. So I think the Chargers' best bet is to come out and score points early, but try doing that against the the top-scoring defense in the league, right? So it's the Chargers are just in, a, in, a, in the worst possible position they could be in because, right. quite frankly, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be really, really tough to come through. Right. Uh, I, I like to say that the uh, Baltimore Ravens run a pirate offense called the RPO. It's run, <laughs> run, 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 pass option. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, that's basically what they run. It's it's a lot of running. It's a lot of options, but it's a lot of different running options. So you have yeah. three or four different looks at the run, and then you, you can look over the top for the pass. And um, right now, you're right. And, and you look at film. And remember, when people are looking at film, especially in the NFL, these guys aren't looking at film for this year. They're looking at film from two years ago, three years yeah. ago. And right now they only have six games of film on yeah. these guys yeah. and uh successful film. So you have and only what they've only lost three times, twice, maybe three times with, with Jackson in there. So now you only have a couple times where they actually stopped it to be able to look at it. And uh, it's, it's interesting. And, it, and I like it because it actually brings like a new breath to the mm. NFL. It brings like that new, uh, especially in, in an NFL that's so pass heavy, it brings that run option in that uh, it's difficult to stop, especially with a guy as shifty as Lam- as uh, Lamar Jackson, right? Um, he uh, He's shifty, man. He, he gets the ball and he's he's so quick up the middle. He can make anybody. Who are you going to have cover him? Are you going to have your middle linebacker spy him? Because now that's somebody else taking away from the other runs uh, up the middle. Uh, and what, what's going to happen when the linebacker goes one-on-one with the guy that that's quick? Yeah, I I think the Chargers' best bet is probably Derwin James. They have to put Derwin Derwin James probably on spy against him because Lamar Jackson is they, they're six and one in their last seven games. Right. You know, and I mean they beat you know the the Bengals, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Bucks. You know these teams who aren't playoff teams. All the Browns. Teams. Yep. They beat all these teams that just weren't playoff teams. Um, they lost to the Chiefs by three points. That was a very close game. That was a really really good game. So. You know, they're, they're a team that can that can win. However, I you know it's going to be tough to see what happens. But you know, their their previous losses, they lost the Steelers uh, once, and they lost the Saints by one. So this is a very very good team, and I think unfortunately for the Chargers and Philip Rivers, I don't think uh, they're going to win this game. 
All right. Yeah. So let's go over to the other side. I think I think probably my one of my favorites to make it to the AFC Championship, if not the Super Bowl in the AFC, is the Indianapolis Colts. Mm, and I say yeah. that because they are playing their best football at Absolutely. the end of the season. And I, and yeah. I think right now Andrew Luck has been on fire. He's finding his guys wide open. He's figuring out what he needs to do. He's getting over his slump of, you know, post-injury slump. And uh, I, I like Andrew Luck. I've always been a big Andrew Luck fan. And, um, man, it's going to be really hard. Their defense is playing great as well. Oh, so let's team. not forget that their defense is playing amazing. Their whole team is playing together as one. And it's going to be very hard to stop them. In my opinion, they take out Houston. And they go on to uh, Kansas City, and they take out Kansas City. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, big call. Um, I could definitely see that happen. Look at the Colts their season. They started uh, one and five. One and five. And then all of a sudden, they just turned right. it around, and they won uh, one and five would be six games. So they would won the last ten games. They went to nine and one. They lost to the Jackson Jaguars 6-0, but otherwise, they just took over the league. So – I think the uh, the Colts finally got a groove going under Frank Reich, and I think it's really showing. So I agree with you. I'm 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 a big believer in these new Colts, and I would love to see them go far in the playoffs. Absolutely love it. They deserve to be there, and uh, they're going to make some noise. They're in my underdog pick for sure for these playoffs. And let's not forget. And I feel like there's a little bit of a theme here. It's kind of interesting, um, but. Uh, with Houston, they went on a huge what nine game win streak as well. Yeah, yeah, they started their season I think like nine and one. Yeah, so they were on a huge win streak. I know when they played us, it was it was kind of the start, and they picked up obviously Demarius Thomas. They have a lot of different options. I just don't see. I, I mean, I like the guy, but I don't see Deshaun Watson being a Super Bowl quarterback. Mm. Not he, right now. Not right He's now. Young. He's getting there. He's getting there He's for young. sure. Right. They need a better right. offensive line. I think what the Colts have going for them is their offensive line is really strong. Yeah, really, really strong. Um, so I think that's going to really take him over because the Colts' defense is strong, but with J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney, the, you know, the, the, this gang that we've seen so many times. Uh, but I, I would love to see the Colts go far. But I think this upcoming weekend, these games, I think Colts win. They beat the Texans, and I think the Ravens beat the Chargers. I am with you on both those. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. I think the Chargers yeah. beat the Ravens. Really? Okay. Um, I, I think the Chargers beat the Ravens. I think the Chargers lose their second round. And I think the uh, the Colts beat the, uh, the Houston Texans. Um, and then obviously next week we'll talk about uh, what happens after that and see if we're right. So let's let's switch it over to the NFC. So in the NFC playoff picture, um, just overall, I'm a big fan of the Chicago Bears. I'm a big fan of Chicago Bears. And uh, admittedly, my family is huge Bears fans, right? So that's I have to – obviously okay. the Broncos, the Broncos are not in it. I kind of have to root a little bit. But, man, that defense. Khalil Mack is playing some of the best football of his, his career uh, mm-hmm. that defense is seeming seemingly unstoppable, and uh, it's it's fun to watch, man. It's fun yeah. to see how quick they are and how hard they hit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. The Bears, um, yeah, I'm surprised they're not in the top two best teams in the league. I mean, they were almost there at 12 and four, but this is a team that I think Mitch Trubisky is is. Is, is, is not talked about, but I think he's done a great job all year of just putting the Bears in a winning position. Yes, their defense has led the way, but I think Trubisky's really done a great job of it as well. They lost their first game, 24-23 against the Packers. And then since then, they surprisingly lost to the Dolphins and they lost to the Patriots and they lost to the Giants. So they've had a couple unfortunate losses right. to, to mediocre teams, I think. But overall, they dominated all year and it started with their defense. But there was a game against the Bucks. They put a 48. They put a 41 against Buffalo, 34 against Detroit. Uh, you know, they still put a 27 against the Giants, even though they lost. But, you know, yep. they've been able to score quite a bit all year. So I think I think the Bears are, you know, I think they're going to beat the Eagles this game. I really think they do. They, they are the better team. And, uh, yeah, I would love to see them go to the NFC championship game. I would love to see that. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think uh, – it- under underappreciated offense, you're right. 48 points in a couple games, 35 points in a couple. I mean, that's something that the Denver Broncos are, can only dream of having. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Mitch Trubisky is playing some great football. You know, he's in his second year. Uh, is it second or third year? Trubisky's second year. His second year, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's another guy that I was a really big fan of coming in too. Um, he's just he's taking his time to figure it out, and he's he's starting to figure it out, and that's he's, great. Yeah. And especially when he has some of these receivers that he has. I mean, they're not uh, they're not top top tier wide receivers, and he's getting well, the ball to him. They got Allen Robinson, who's been playing really well. 
Uh, right. Taylor Gabriel, he was, you know, uh, he's a specialist player. You know, he's more of a quick <laughs> option route. He's really, really fast, great athlete. Um, he's really smart too because he's an in, he, he plays within the box a lot. And he plays down the seam, so you have to have a lot of football knowledge to be able to play the position. I think he's under underrated. Uh, Trey Burton, their tight end, he was up and coming from the Eagles last year. So he's, they've got yeah. some good players. But what's nice about the Bears is they just they they went back to the roots of playing good defense. The Bears have forever yeah. been a defensive team, and it's just great to see guys like Roquan Smith and uh, Khalil Mack and, and Hakeem Nicks. And these guys are just they're they're playing so yeah. well. So it's really fun to watch. Um, I think the Bears. Yeah. I think the Bears do beat the Eagles. The Eagles just snuck into the playoffs. Um, unless Nick Foles somehow is miraculous again. We never know, but he's he could be. He's done it before. Um, but then at the other game, the Cowboys and the Seahawks, I just could, like, to be completely honest with you, I don't really care who wins this game because whoever <laughs> wins has to play the Saints. And I just don't right. see either one of them beating the Saints. Because if the no. Bears win, uh, they go to the Rams, which will be really, you know, that'll be a really cool game. Um, but then the Cowboys or the Seahawks having to go to New Orleans right now. I think the Cowboys are very one-dimensional. Yes, Amari Cooper's changed up the way they they manage uh, the game, and I think that between the two teams, they've got a good chance, you know, a fair chance of beating the Saints. Uh, the Seahawks, it's all about Russell Wilson, and he is so good, but I think the team overall is just lacking a bit of completeness. Um, so I, straight up, I just don't care who wins this one because they have to face Drew Brees. Right, so I think this is probably the, uh, the battle of the two – uh, most annoying fan bases. Um, <laughs> yeah, so fair. either way, either way, one of them is going to win, and we're not going to hear the end of it. Um, yeah. But on the other side, what you you mentioned, they go play the Rams. Remember, the Bears beat the Rams already in the regular season, fifteen to six. It was a very low scoring yeah. game because defense played a huge part of it. But yeah. that means, and the guy we talked about earlier, Fangio, figured out a way to stop that daunted and crazy, crazy fast moving yeah. Rams offense. And I think that is definitely something that needs to be watched, and I want to watch it again. I think that'd be perfect. It's it's interesting, too, because since Fangio beat the Rams, the Rams just weren't the same for the rest of the year. They lost the Eagles the week after, um, and then they played the Cardinals and the 49ers, right? They were without Todd Gurley those two games, and they were two terrible teams, but the 49ers still put up 32, right? So it's... It's interesting to see how, just how, you know, that loss, you could tell the Rams weren't the same. Sean McVay was quoted in the media saying, we have to find, fix this, fix it fast. Todd Gurley's been hurt. Like, the Rams, it's almost like they're almost running out of gas. They started the year so hot. Like, they scored 30 points in most of their games. They lost to the Saints. But they came back, and they had that great game against the Chiefs, 54-51 victory. And then, you know, since playing the Bears, though, Yo, they like they stalled a little bit, and it was really interesting to watch Fangio pull, <clears throat> pull off something like that. And it'd be really cool to watch a rematch because I don't think Fangio gives uh, gives any chance to the Rams to win. Well, I think a big part of this league, and I think a big part of football in general, is once once one team figures out a way to stop uh, a seemingly dominant team. All you have to do is go back to that film. And if something doesn't change, if, if the Rams aren't changing up their offense and the way that they're going about things, it's very easy to go back to that film against the Bears and be like, how did they stop it? Well, then we're just going to do the same thing. Like some people don't have the manpower to do it. And like, you know, the, the Rams and the Cardinals may not have the manpower to be able to do it. But um, if you have half of the defense the Bears have, all you got to do is go back to that scheme and be like, oh, so that's how you do it. And, yeah. and, and it works, and then that's that's what's happening. As long as if the Rams can't figure out a way to change up a little bit, that's everyone's going to take that Fangio play scheme and just move on with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know if the Rams necessarily have the depth to pull off a, a big shift like that because they've had Todd Gurley like run the ball all year. He's been the entire offense. Receiving, yeah. like they, they lost Cooper Cup over, uh, throughout the year, so that's, that's – Hurt them, um, but guys like Brandon Cooks, he's a deep threat. Uh, Robert Woods, another deep threat. Robert Woods has come along quite well, but I just don't see the Rams being a very multifaceted team. Like take the Saints, you know, Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram have two different running styles, right? right? So it's cool to see the the difference when these two guys come in. You could tell the focus of the offense shifts a little bit. The receiving core is different. Um, they play a completely different. Same with the. Uh, the, uh, the the Chiefs. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, you know, but they have Travis Kelsey to manage in the middle of the field, and they've got uh, Tyreek Hill to go deep, and they've got some other receivers. So they're able to to change it up a little bit the way they do their offense. But the Rams, 
Yes, Todd Gurley's great. Jerry Goff's come along really well too, but I just don't see them necessarily having the firepower to to give different looks without sacrificing their best players, which is never really uh, you know suggested. So I think the Bears do have a really good chance of knocking the Rams off um, and, and meeting the Saints in the championship game. Right, and and as always with playoffs, it's uh, having that first round bye gives them a chance to uh, heal up. Yeah. While while the other teams are beaten, the sh- Ever living? Are we a family show? I can't nah, okay. okay. While the while the Rams are or while the Bears are getting the shit beat out of them mm-hmm. and and laying their bodies on the line to try to win a football game, the Rams are sitting at home having a yeah. an herbal tea. An and herbal um, tea, eh? okay. that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking that they're all sitting yeah. back Jared Goff with his herbal <laughs> those, tea. Those LA bougie. Yeah, the LA, yeah, the bougie. Like, yeah. yeah, probably kicked up on the beach or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, chilling. Yeah. Yeah. That. Surfer language and everything. But they they uh, <laughs> they get a chance to relax a little bit and, and heal up some of these wounds that they've been having um, with with injuries. And I know obviously some a lot of these teams don't have too many injury bugs, but there are injury bugs uh, throughout the way. Some some stingers and little things here and there. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting one. So in the NFC, um, so we're, we're taking the Bears uh, to beat the Eagles, and then uh, nobody cares in the uh, battle of the of the most annoying fan bases. No, and I think I think the fact that I said that, it's, you know, Cowboys might win and Cowboys might beat the Saints and might be some big thing and Jerry Jones, heart will stop. But, right. you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. But I think I do think, you know, more on a serious note between the Seahawks and the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys – will probably win out this one. Um, I think Zeke is a, just a great player, and he's a great focal point, too. He's very difficult to stop, with, you know, especially that great offensive line. Amari Cooper has just completely changed the Cowboys' offense, and their defense yep. has been surprising. It's young. And, you know, if there's one team I don't like – oh, it's young, yeah, definitely. They're Van Der Esch so well. and Jalen Smith, man, they're good. They, they're making – a great combo and like i i do not like the cowboys i really don't and it pains me to watch them and play so well because they just oh, i grind my gears but i think they uh, they can beat the seahawks and um they're they're gonna be an underrated team going coming into these playoffs they're much better than people think they are unfortunately but hey that's what it is well and you know what? i'll take it too I, and I'm, I'm gonna be with you on this one too a i hate the seahawks and the, i hate both of them honestly <laughs> i think but uh, I'll say that the Cowboys' defense—it's fun to watch, man. Those two young linebackers playing so well. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, and then another reason I want to watch it too, and I want the Cowboys to win, uh, finally win a playoff game because they haven't done that in a long time. Um, is uh, I think that uh, Amari Cooper deserves it, and yeah, I think he does. I think Amari Cooper deserves it, and I think uh, Khalil Mack over in Chicago deserves it, and I want them both to turn around and uh, flip off John Gruden and the Raiders on their way up to the uh, to the next level absolutely they do deserve it yeah yeah well okay so i mean these these playoffs are gonna be really fun to watch um you know the, this is a really good group of teams i think the eagles are the only team that doesn't have a two uh, or wins in the double digits and they just snuck in the playoffs so it's really high power teams coming in um and yeah we have our predictions too so Let's go. Yeah, so that's that's what we got for the playoff pictures. And uh, guys, keep tuning in to uh, all the Orange Weekly stuff each week. Uh, we'll be coming out with uh, one podcast each week talking about the playoffs, talking about uh, more Broncos news. So uh, keep listening. Make sure you're downloading. Make sure you're telling your friends and family that we exist. Um, sometimes that's uh, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's sometimes. It. So with that being said, thank you guys for joining in for the Orange Weekly Podcast. Is there any uh, last words, anything else you want to put out there, Matt, uh, before we get into the first round wildcard weekend? Uh, no, just Mahomes for MVP. And, uh, <laughs> oh, hey, did you like your uh, your poster? I love my poster. You oh, okay. Kermit's looking at me almost every day. Yeah, so uh, for, those of you, for those of you listening in, uh, obviously throughout the podcast, we've been uh, talking about how you know Matt over here is a huge – Huge Patrick Mahomes fan so Huge much that we fan. were going to get him a poster. Uh, he thought we were going to get him a picture of Patrick Mahomes naked. And if I would have found that, I feel like I'd probably make more money than just making a poster. Uh, selling it to TMZ. Put a little leaf over his junk and yeah. throw him right up on the board. Man. No, uh, no, what we got him was uh, – you guys can go online and Google this. I don't, know if, I don't know if you know this, but Patrick Mahomes sounds like Kermit the Frog. And yep. uh, they made a Kermit the Frog meme. So we got him a Kermit the Frog Patrick Mahomes poster that we sent to him. And uh, he actually hung it up at his house. Oh, yeah. No, it's up. It's not coming down to my dream. I would love to meet this guy and get him to autograph that poster. Oh, like, that would be the I'm, I'm sure he would. Oh, yeah, he just seems would. like that type of guy. He but, seems like down and, like that. 
Oh, he does. But I mean, like, listen, 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in your first year as a starter. Right. Like, I've pulled that off playing Madden. Like, this guy's turning this league into a video game, and it's just so cool to watch. So, I mean, I think he deserves the MVP. Left-handed throws and left-handed throws and no-look throws. And, and uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's he, so – He plays a shortstop-style game at the quarterback position. It's never been yeah. really seen before, so it's – you know what's interesting too, just not to drag this on, but Andy Reid's, you know, he sent a lot of coaches very far and, you know, he's still trucking along. He's in his 60s and now he's got his hands on probably the best quarterback he's ever had. And it's 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 just amazing, man. This guy's success and how far he's come, he's, uh, he better make the Hall of Fame one day. Right. And we were talking about that coaching thing, his coaching tree. Uh, it mm. starts with him, man. A lot of these coaches in the NFL, successful coaches in the NFL came from his, uh, under his wing. And yeah, you're right. He's one of those guys. He's been. He's gonna be. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer, guaranteed. He's just such look, such a good coach. Absolutely. Look and look at these playoffs right now. The Ravens, John Harbaugh coached under him. The Bears, Matt Nagy coached under him. The Eagles, Doug Peterson coached under him. Um, the Rams, he's got a connection with uh, McVay as well. Uh, Sean Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, and uh, Andy Reid. Like you know, these guys have been coaching against each other for years. But for Andy Reid alone to have three other teams. That coaches used to play for you as your coordinators, and now they're in the playoffs. Yeah, you know it, the Broncos should want the enemy, like the OC for the Chiefs. Let's bring us all back to the beginning. The Broncos should want this guy. Because look at the pedigree, look at the experience, and and the how can I say the standard of success that these coaches bring. Yeah, this is the right choice for the Broncos. Yeah, all right. well, I, it's only only time will tell. I'm not sure at what point they're going to be starting naming. You know, my heart can only take so much. So hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> obviously, after the playoffs are over, we'll figure out who's all available and who wants to come where. But, um, yeah, with that being said, uh, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening in. We really appreciate it. And we'll kick this off no matter with or without us being in the playoffs. We always finish off with a go Broncos. Go Broncos. Thanks, guys. Orange, man.